Father. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. O Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not in thy anger, lest thou bring me to nothing. Jeremiah 10, 23-24. In Jesus' name, amen. Swamp Dweller on Gab asked for prayer. She asked that we please pray for her dad. She says she's brokenhearted because he is broken. And she hasn't left the hospital in 11 days. And so we do pray for her. And it is more reports like these that I'm seeing more and more these days of heartache, loneliness, and trials. So therefore, my prayer continues with our reading today in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted, and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now, if I could read this five <laughs> additional times, I would because people are hurting, people are struggling. I saw a post in our gospel group from Real Patriot 2020. It says, I'm not doing good at all. God has hidden his face for me for two years, right after feeling his presence strongly for two weeks got to experience Jesus in a way I never had before. I began, I became closer to him, but for some reason I fell back into sin and drugs. And any Christian that comes into my life leaves shortly after and ignores me. I just spent an hour crying, my eyes out in great pain, yelling at God. I'm so lonely, I just want someone to talk to. Why does God put Christians into my life only to take them away from me shortly after? A few days ago, I met a Christian. He had a Bible verse on his business card. We hit it off, but after I started talking about Jesus and my experience with him, he stopped responding to me. I asked if I scared him off. He said no, but I texted him later on that my boss didn't need his roofing services and he still has not replied to me. I know he won't either. He says, why is this happening to me? Is God telling people to ignore me? He says, I'm feeling suicidal right now. I can't live if Christ is gone, is gone. And every Christian I meet leaves me right after. What's wrong with me? Why won't God answer me? Is he done with me because of my constant backsliding? Is he trying to bring me to kill myself just like Saul did after God rejected him as king of Israel? I'm really scared. If I lost Christ, I'm nothing. I'm done. He says, the word says Jesus won't put more on us than we can bear. I can't bear this. I... I'm having a mental breakdown and I want to die. Yet Jesus has not put a stop to this. So what does this mean? That I'm not a child of God. So therefore that verse doesn't apply to me anymore. 
because I cannot bear the agonizing pain of being ignored by other Christians in Christ. Now, I saw this post in our gospel group, and I read it, and I thought about it, and it is clear to me that many are going through pain in their lives, whether it be the agonizing pain of a close loved one or personal pain themselves as this brother And so I read these things, and I understand this. And the first verse that came to my mind after reading this brother's pain was Proverbs 18, 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I get it. People are cooped up inside of their houses. They're staring at their phones. They're not paying attention to those around them who are hurting, who need a word of encouragement, who just need an ear to listen. But I read the post, and I let him know, and I, and I replied to him, and I told him that that verse came to mind. And I, quote, replied it so that others could pray with him during this dark time in his life. But as for loneliness... I'm reminded of our gospel road trip that we just completed. One of the stops we made was to to an elderly woman at a nursing home. And we sang, Jesus loves me with her. And you should have seen the smile on that woman's face as we spent time with her. Listen to her. And sang a hymn with her. None of us felt lonely during this time. I told our brother, there are many opportunities like these that I know would be a great blessing to you and others who are feeling lonely, who are going through a hard time in their life, who have a void in their life that needs to be filled. And I'm here to tell you, my friends, the great commandment to love our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves will fill this void. Every single time. I'm reminded of another tune that says, though none go with me still, I will follow. And I told this brother, keep up the good fight. He replied, he says, I don't know. Maybe I need a Christian therapist. He says, my brother got shot to death two weeks ago. And then this so-called Christian comes into my life and only runs away like a coward when I started talking about Jesus. But he's a Christian. What kind of Christian runs away when he's hearing about the goodness of God? He says, I've just had it up to here with fake Christians. And then he tells me, thank you. You've been a brother that's always here when I need help. You're not a coward. No, my friend. I'm not running from these these hard truths. I'm not running from someone who posts their pain and is venting in my group. I'm going to read it. I'm going to pray for you. Because I know that I have some tough times in my life. And I hope that you're praying for me. I'm hoping that you will carry the load with me when I have a heavy load to carry. And I told this brother that he's carrying a heavy load at this time. And that my prayer of peace and strength is with him. And that he's always welcome to vent in our group. 
And I'll tell you this, I'm learning on social media that people may not always respond, but there are good Christians out there who are reading, listening, and praying. Bella Loma on Gab replied to the same man and says, I don't really know your situation. I was just thinking maybe the reason why you were alone is because God wants you to trust him and depend on him, not on others, not yourself. He says, I would recommend stepping back and focusing on God's word. Instead of feeling bad about yourself, he says, think about getting closer to God. Use a good study Bible and immerse yourself in the Word. Get to know God, not not people who think you think that represent Him. Also, if you're meeting people and just unloading all your problems on, on them, rather than focus on who they are and getting to know them, they might just not want to be around you because you seem to be too self-involved. I don't know if you are actually doing that or anything. It was just a thought. Also, Gab isn't so great for depression. Maybe stay off here and focus on the Bible instead. If you need someone to talk to, you can text me anytime. Send me a message and I will send you my number. Now, I read this post, this reply to this this hurting brother, and I have much respect for Bella Loma to reach out like this, to offer his phone number. And I do believe that it's these types of conversations that are often a test of our faith to be able to open our eyes and to see who is hurting around us and to minister unto them, which in return will minister unto us. Singing, Jesus loves me with an elderly woman in a nursing home, not only ministered to that elderly lady, sister in Christ, it ministered to me. I remember when my kids were younger, my wife would visit the nursing homes with our children. And one day we visited a elderly black man who was so crippled, he couldn't even move in his bed. Well, we knew it was his birthday one day. So my wife baked a cupcake, put a candle in it, got him a balloon, not knowing if he could even respond we visited this man and we sung him happy birthday and and he, he, he didn't move. But then all of a sudden there was a tear that rolled down his eyes. Couldn't speak. But he was touched that someone would visit him in a nursing home where he was all by himself, could not move, could not speak, but he could cry. And he cried on that day that we sung him happy birthday. And I'm telling you, there's no ministry. There's no void that cannot be filled when you do this type of Christ work and you minister to others. In return, you minister unto yourself. I'll never forget that day. Therefore, I have much respect for those who go beyond themselves to minister to others not even realizing they're ministering to their own selves. Does our faith go beyond the air-conditioned pew on Sunday? That is the question. That is what you and I will be judged for. 
Because at the end of the day, no matter what we experience in this world, I do believe if our faith extends beyond the pew, we will find ourselves crying out with Jeremiah. In our reading today in chapter 10 and verse 6, For as much as there are none like unto thee, O Lord, thou art great in thy name, is great in might. Here we see again, we look in that we are looking beyond ourselves unto a holy and mighty God. Because the re- reality is that man will always fail us. They will ghost us and they will even die on us. But Christ never fails us. He never leaves us and he will always live. Therefore I say, my friends, cast your vote for Christ today. And I say this as voting ballots sit on my table. You think a man is going to be able to fulfill the fill the void in your life? The emptiness that you feel, the sorrow that you have? Do you think that putting a man in a political office is going to do that? You think your vote for a man makes this type of difference? I'm telling you to vote for Christ. He is the true king, and he's never voted out. He has always been there, and he always will be. Jeremiah 10, 7, Who would not fear thee, O king of nations? For thee doth it appertain, for as much as among all the wise men of the nations and all their kingdoms there is none like unto thee. You think that your vote is in control. Yet we read in Proverbs 21.1, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. I'm here to tell you, my friends, it doesn't matter how heavy your heart is today. Bring it before the king. And as for the body of Christ, we must come together. We must look out for each other. We must pray for each other in these dark and evil days. I want you to notice in our reading in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 6 that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. Notice the same body which is none other than the church of Jesus Christ. The same body that has received the promise of faith through the gospel. It's always been this way. And it always will be to the very end. But right now there is a great attack upon this body. With all kinds of defamation and blasphemies. I just came across an article. That was published a couple weeks ago where there is a Methodist preacher, an active ordained or going to be ordained. All I know is that his Facebook profile says associate pastor at a church. He has pronouns, they, them, a Methodist preacher. And here is part of his message. He says in in some sort of slam poetry that he has posted in video form and that I found on theblaze.com where they had typed out a couple quotes from this video. 
This preacher says God is nothing, but if she wore, she would be, yes, queening her way down the runways of Paris and Montreal, strutting between that tightrope pull taut between absurdity and opulence, balancing between too much and never enough, he proclaims. Nothing. But if she wore, she would be a seamstress of divine couture, weaving together string theory and self-portraits to form the fiercest gowns of queer existence. Another quote reads, God is nothing but a drag queen with a microphone of biblical effing proportions. And yes, this preacher uses not only such blasphemies, but such profanity. And I'm not sure what is more shocking, the fact that this demon-possessed man is being ordained by a so-called Christian church or the 248 people who like the Facebook post. And until you understand that you and I are in a spiritual war, you will continue to be conquered by these demons and left in positions of depression, despair, and a void. You will continue to chase material rabbits. Ephesians 3.10 to the intent now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. And it's these principalities and powers in heavenly places that can only be subdued and conquered through Christ. These same Ephesians chapter 6 principalities and powers that we are at war with, that have taken over our churches. We thought that at one time, churches even preached against astrology. The same that we read about in Jeremiah 10.2, Thus saith the Lord, learn not the way of the heathen, and be not dismayed at the signs of heaven, for the heathen are dismayed at them. When is the last time you heard the occult demonized by the mainstream media? When was the last time you heard of drag queen preachers being condemned by the mainstream media? I'm not going to hold my breath for your answer. But I could hold my breath for the demonization that is occurring right now for born-again Christians who resist such blasphemies. Deuteronomy 18, 9, 9 through 12. When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or daughter to pass through the fire, or that use divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a necromancer. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord, and because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out before thee. When's the last time that the mainstream media has demonized any of these things? And then what do I find? Christians, so-called Christians arguing more fiercely against Christmas trees. Many have quoted a passage in our reading today, Jeremiah 10, 3-4, for the customs 
of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of the hands of the workmen with an axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers that it move not. Now I suppose if you are using literal gold and silver to decorate it, to worship it, and to idolize it, then you may have a valid argument. But I would be more concerned right now with preachers who blaspheme the name of God who decorate their faces with paint and call themselves they, them. We'll tackle the Christmas trees down the road, my friend. We got bigger axes to, to break here. Blue Duke 7087 says, there's much more to the Christ mass concerning paganism than just the tree. Everywhere you research into the origins of Christ mass, you begin to understand it's not all about the birth of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Neither is the drag queen preacher that is blaspheming God. The American churches have surpassed the paganism that you speak of. They now fly rainbow flags, middle fingers at God. Thinking that they are gods. And yes, there are literal gods in the plural demonic sense. We know this because they are, they are now ordaining ministers in the churches. And it's all because we have not voted for Christ. But I'm here to tell you, my friend, there is one God. There may be plural gods, but there is one capital G, capital O, capital D. Jeremiah 10, 11, Thus shall you say unto them, The gods that have not made the heavens and the earth, even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. Along with this one and holy God, there is one church known as the body of Christ, known as the Israel and Jacob. Jeremiah 10, 16, The portion of Jacob is not like them. For he is the former of all things, and the Israel is the rod of his inheritance. The Lord of hosts is his name. This one and holy God is about to unleash his holy wrath on the counterfeit gods that have overtaken his church. Called Israel Jacob. Jeremiah 10, 24, pour out thy fury upon the heathen that knew thee not and upon the families that called not on thy name. For they have eaten up Jacob and devoured him and consumed him and have made his habitation desolate. desolate. And we are seeing this happen in America right now where churches are closing their doors because of this debauchery. Church after church, Ichabod after Ichabod. It's all because the church has failed to understand who these families are, who these heathen are. And instead, these same churches have idolized them and then wonder why we are in the spiritual mess that we're in. What we are witnessing today is the result of a fake and counterfeit Christianity, which I call commercial Christianity, a mammon Christianity that's steeped and funded by those who are throwing money at the church and then subverting the church through mammon. Jeremiah 10.21, for the pastors are become brutish 
and have not sought the Lord. Therefore, they shall not prosper, and all their flocks shall be scattered. Many of us are finding ourselves in the wilderness where we can meet with Christ in truth and in spirit, knowing that Jesus Christ is our only solution. Deuteronomy 18, 15, The Lord thy God will raise up thee a prophet from the midst of thee of thy brethren like unto me, unto whom you shall hearken. Donald Trump, not so much. I guess it's a good thing, I suppose, for those Trump false prophets. As we read Deuteronomy 18, 20 today, But the prophet which shall presume to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or that shall speak in the name of other gods, even that prophet shall die. <laughs> it's a good thing for them that they didn't live in that, in that time. But I'll tell you this, judgment is coming. And the worst part of all of this is that so many of these prophets, these false prophets are women in a wide house that we read about in Proverbs 21.9. It is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. These same brawling women who have lost their identity as women who defend these drag queens. America has just become one big wide house because it has refused to vote for Christ. White House in more ways than one. And I know this is why I am a wilderness preacher. Because 2119 Proverbs says it is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. So my question is, my friend, what congregation do you worship with? Who is your congregation voting for? Proverbs 21, 16, the man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. You are either among the congregation of the living in Christ, my friend, or you are in the congregation of the dead. And as a member of this living congregation, I am a voting member. Every day I get up, I vote for Christ. And I will vote for Christ until my last breath. Will you? I pray that this episode of Gospel was a blessing to you. And if you would like to become a team member of this Christ work, simply pray. Pray that God would use this podcast mightily for his glory. Share the episodes wherever you can and support with a subscription if you're able to do so. We are in this together, Christ friends. Keep up the good fight.